Hey there. My name is Kindwani Mwase, and among other things, I'm the host of 54 Lights Podcast and one of the uh, co-founders of Braided Media. Now, um, just a quick story that when we started Braided Media, um, which is a network of African storytellers, we wanted to find creators who are obviously of African descent, but um, who were doing something different, who were doing something meaningful to the community and for the community. And um, that had uh, an elevated quality of work that um, basically would stood out from, uh, from others uh, in a relatively crowded, uh, crowded marketplace. When we um, came across the, the, the talk shop um, as a podcast, we knew this would fit that criteria and then some. We knew that the men behind the mic were going to be ones that we wanted to align ourselves with, to work with, to know, and to, to establish uh, long-term relationships with. So I want to say, um, Bernie, Chimdi, um, on behalf of the team at Braided, which includes the co-founders and the other creators within the family, we'd like to say congratulations. Congratulations on reaching 100 shows. Um, as a creator, I know that reaching 100 is an amazing uh, milestone to reach, um, and you should be truly, truly proud of, of, of reaching that milestone, but not only just getting there, but how you've gotten there with the quality, with the, um, with the, with the care and the meaningful conversations that you, you guys have all the time. And um, it's, not, it's not just getting there, but it's how you get there is what I'm trying to say. Um, anyways, thank you both for leading the way uh, and for giving us the gift of the talk shop. And um, I got to say, we're looking forward to the next 100. Welcome to the talk shop. It's Bernie and Chimdi. All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Welcome to episode 100 of the 100. Talk Shop. Chimney, yes. my man. Yes, yes. What's going on, buddy? How are you doing? I'm good. I'm feeling good. I, I just, just got in and decided a drink was necessary to celebrate the day, my man. Yeah, you uh, you are, you beat me to jump there. I got to go open something. Get nice. that. Get that. Yeah, get that. I'll do that shortly. Some well, we're do. excited, everyone. Welcome to episode 100. Uh we took a little bit of a break so we could make sure this was done properly, and hopefully you guys enjoy what we have to give you this episode. But 100 episodes, man, that's uh, over, what, two years now? Or what is it? I don't even know how to count right almost. now. Two years. Yeah, yeah, yeah almost yeah. two years. 104 would be two years, in, mm -hmm. in strictly speaking, for doing weekly, which we've tried to do generally. So, um, yeah, over two years of, of doing this, and we're, we're very happy with where we are now. Could be doing better, but we're good as we stand. But glad that you guys have followed us through this journey, and we, we're very appreciative, everyone that's listening right now. Um, but yeah, Bernie, um, what are your thoughts? What's going on? Um, yeah, it's been a great journey. It's been a great ride. We've made some some great content and made some good friends along the way, and you know that sort of leads me into the party that we're gonna have today. Um, we got, we got some return guests and the first time guests who is a, who's an associate as well. So I'm just going to jump in and introduce these, these, these people. Uh, first and foremost, I think the episode, um, 
that we did on her podcast, uh, I laughed a lot, and people who listen to it cracked the hell up about it. Uh, it's, it's the one only Amanda Bates uh, of the Black Expat. Amanda, how are you doing? Man, I'm doing well. I, you know what I forgot to bring to this party? Straight up air horn. There needs to be like an air horn going off over the fact that yeah. y'all did 100 because as a podcaster, look, the fact that you still ticking at 100 is a big deal. So congratulations to you guys. I get to add that add that in post. <laughs> For real, we need a we need a loud air horn just to be like, <laughs> like you're talking to Andre. <laughs> yes, yes. Thank you, Amanda. Uh, our other guest who's returning, Chiadu, my friend, Mister Just Trying Dad. Uh, how are you doing, my man? Man, we're still trying. We're just hanging in there. Um, trying? You're still trying? Days. I thought you tried already. <laughs> You can see these kids running around here um, and just trying to exist in this 2022. I still feel like I'm back in 2021. Um, yeah, it's been it's been a whirlwind of a year, uh, but you know it's 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 good to be here. It's good to be with you guys in the 100. Um, I'm a fan. I listen all the time. So it's, thank you for having me. Oh, thanks for, th- thanks for supporting, man. Appreciate it. We're gonna have some fun today. And uh, last but not least, uh, this uh, you got. Temi, who is yeah. our associate of uh, Braided Media, he's got his own podcast called Why Aren't You Married? And ever since I heard about this podcast, I was like, I need to talk to this guy because, <laughs> A, this is a question that parents ask their kids in Nigeria every second of the day when you're not married. But, you know, it's a great podcast. And if you haven't checked out the show notes, it's also an advertisement for the guests who are on <laughs> because you're like, yeah, one day location, Houston, national Nigerian status, single. So, you know, her status when you talk to this person, Tammy, how you doing, my man? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Uh, you know, thanks for having me on, um, props on doing hundred episodes. Like, you know, as Amanda hinted, I'm, I'm at what episode 11, 12 and, you know, putting together a weekly podcast or a regular podcast. So much effort ton of work um you know props to you guys props to everyone thanks. else here just like putting out content in general thanks my man appreciate it appreciate it well chimney brought the glenn fittick you know you're not messing around today okay okay yeah, all right I all was right expecting the mamaguana from the dominican republic man yeah no i have to I have to, I have to open something a little bit mature you know something something nice for this so I said I'll, I'll bring out this. I haven't drank it actually. I just realized. I thought I opened it already, but I haven't. Special occasion though, so I'm going to do it today. Yes, sir. Amanda, do you want to chime in on that? No, nah, I was chiming in on the name of his podcast, dude. You, <laughs> the, why aren't you married? I'm just saying, as the resident Cameroonian, <laughs> that question gets mm-hmm. answered on the other side of the border too. So, <laughs> so I'm gonna check out his podcast, but nothing else because that is. A hilarious title like you got me with the title so i'm gonna listen and i mean <laughs> every, everybody gets that question but like well every african minority whatever you know what i mean but it was like okay let's actually find out why you're not married in a comedic fashion like you know we talk to people from all over like single divorced some people are just about to get married that kind of thing but it's supposed to be light-hearted so awesome. Love it. yeah so we i'll, we, I'll we just say that's a pro- Oh, sorry, Chita, go ahead, man. 
I was going to jump in. I was like, the, when I heard the name of the podcast, I was like, that's a choose violence type question. Just going straight for the jugular. It's, it's not even, you never come for peace today. It's like, I came for war. Season one, I'm like, yo, let's keep it light. Next seasons or whatever, we'll, um, you know, maybe we'll up up the ante a bit and um, step up the production values and stuff. So. <laughs> Yeah. I love it. I love it. While we're at it, um, Chidi, why don't we go with you? Why don't you give us like you know the cliff notes of of what Just Trying Dad is, and then we'll head to Amanda before we dive in. So yeah, Just Trying Dad is a is a fatherhood podcast that kind of does pretty much the entire journey. So it's like you know, like me dealing with my kids and trying to relate with them, and and all the stuff that you know that that entails and and i'm you know a celebrated and uh and uh and a self-proclaimed helicopter dad so i'm everywhere my kids are everywhere i do everything with them on you know my mr mom in school and things like that so it's really fun to just be able to um because you never really know if it's okay you know it's like the gender roles and gender norms kind of make you feel like you should be a certain type of dad so for me it's just being able to showcase um the journey i'm going through so far I think the questions I had and wish I had answers to and um, the things I don't know and how we're able to kind of showcase that. So um, content is a bit slow to come through, like I said, uh, because, you know, 2022 just hit me like a like a like a hard one. We got two two bouts of COVID with kids in public school um, and tri- emergency trips to Nigeria for funerals and things like that. But, you know coming back with content strong, but it's really, really fun to just kind of sit down, talk to people, outline um, the things that are really important to people to know, especially with fatherhood and parenting. Um, and like you said, you know, you want to start small. I'm, I'm like episode seven so far. Um, and you're almost kind of like trying to grab people in, be nice, be non-controversial. And then once they, once you have that audience, you just start to choose violence and just start to, start to go in as hard as you can. Um, You're like, all yeah, right, guys, here's my podcast. Yeah. But why aren't you married? You can't leave. <laughs> you can't leave now. It's too, it's too deep in the game. You're a fan now. So like, here it is. Um, yeah. Awesome. Well, th- th- thanks for being here, man. Thanks. For pre- always appreciate you and, and your stuff, you know. So thanks for joining. Amanda, you are the founder of the blackexpat.com and you've got a podcast the global chatter tell us some more about about those two yeah so the global chatter i think like all good people i came up with in the middle of the pandemic <laughs> um black expat i've had which talks about black people living abroad since about 2015 but the global chatter it's a weekly conversation with black and brown people who have some kind of international story and so i am on season three praise god <laughs> Yeah, like it is up and running and I've just had obviously our get our host today, but I've had some of the coolest people on there just talking about what it means to be black and living in Germany or living in France or living in the US or whatever and not being from those countries. And so yeah, I think it's pretty funny because I mean y'all are on this, so I feel like you can vouch for it. Like it's serious topics, but honestly, sixty-five percent of it's me laughing with the guest and random things happening. So. Yeah, so speaking about, you know, Amanda's podcast and how hilarious it is, you know, one of the things we, Amanda's notorious for picking her her violence topics. And uh, 
two of them or one of them we're not going to go into here because she'll be overwhelmed because there's four nigerians here and she's the only one i know how to fight you feel so, like i don't know how to fight i'm not scared but anyway. yeah we won't go into we won't go into the jollof discussion yet right. uh but yeah beyonce is one of her main things that she's uh you know and this week after this last two weeks after the, the oscars um, you know, people were com- commenting on how she looked and how she just looks, I don't know, fuller just to be PG, uh, on, you know, so you were saying, oh, she definitely had BBLs, definitely had breast implants, something. Some people were hating on it. Some people were saying she looks great. Some people were saying, you know, she was pregnant with twins. So that does it, uh, which I agree with personally. Um, yeah, I wanted to get your sense of, of, you know, how do you feel about her now? Any thoughts on the last few weeks? I don't know if you even saw any of the chatter on after the Oscars. Um, to be honest, this, this was you know, just an excuse for us to get your Beyonce agenda out and then sit <laughs> waiting for the Oscars. That was literally yeah. all it was. So, so I was like, oh, Beyonce was in okay. there. All right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, before, before the beehive comes after me, I do like, like, I don't hate on Beyonce. And in fact, I think that to be honest, Beyonce is 40-something years old, and her name is still in all of our mouths. And for somebody who does pop music and is a Black woman, that's kind of amazing. But if you didn't have a chance to listen to the episode that these two were on, one of the things that I said on there was, we were talking about music, we talked about, and it was in context of growing up. But one of the things I said was, I wonder if Beyonce would have been as big if Aaliyah had lived. And my, my thought process was they both kind of came out. <laughs> y'all, why are y'all <laughs> people's faces? My thought process was <laughs> they came out, you know, Leah came out a little bit before. Like I remember Leah was my age or whatever. And my thought process was, I don't know if two black women could have been doing pop like that at that level. And and it would have gone over like it, it would have gone over well, because it almost seems like in pop music, especially. And I, I think Beyonce is pop and R&B, but she's definitely pop. I think it would have been hard for her to be Beyonce when Aaliyah Starr was already kind of, you know, she was on that third album. She was rocking the boat and all that stuff. And, and I think it just would have been hard for her to be up there now. Some people disagreed with me and thought, <laughs> you know, Beyonce would be Beyonce, but I don't know if she'd be Beyonce today if Aaliyah had lived. That's my caveat. Now, is like you have some opinions on this. What is well, yours? Everybody has something to say. Ah. <laughs> anyway. No, uh, so let's put it this way. Um, no, I'm just, I'm just telling the kids to, to quiet. I'm, I'm about to go in now. Tell me what comes to Beyonce is a genre of her own, right? Mm. There is not enough... In fact, there's enough space in this universe for both of them to... So this whole Aaliyah thing is a whole time machine question that, you know, shoulda, coulda, woulda, if, you know, and I love Aaliyah too, to bits. But, like, Beyonce is just... She's energy. She is... She's a culture mover. She's a shake. She's like... She literally... I, I'm not, I don't really... I don't really ride for her as much, right? But just looking at her career and what she's been able to do, like, she's been able to kind of create a niche for herself, regardless of whatever it is. And, you know, even coming out of, like, Destiny's Child, right? And so that was a, kind of like a buffer where, you know, she was able to shine even within a group. So imagine just Destiny's Child and Aaliyah at the same time, right? I think they would have been able to still cover the niche, right? And then she would have been able to still left, 
Destiny Shell behind and moved on. So I think, you know, your question, you know, is is somewhat interesting. You know, because I'm trying to be polite. Um, but I think it's I think it's a I think it's I think it's a valid one to think about, but then when you think about it, you're like, you know, the world has evolved since with music and musically and with all the talent that she has, she would have definitely been able to create a niche for herself. I think so. And probably been bigger and still be the bee that we know today. I'll I'll let uh Temi follow up on, on, on that, Amanda, before you get you get yours back in. Yeah. Um I don't think Aaliyah ever had like the crossover appeal that uh, Beyonce had. I don't think she was like by Beyonce is a mega star, like Michael Jackson ish, you know, of our time. Like Aaliyah, I think, is more of a black people icon kind of thing, right? Like I don't think even ask a white guy like are you that somebody? Like, do you know, have you heard this song? And they'll be like, oh man, I love that, you know. So, you know, single ladies and the dance and all that stuff that came with it, I think everybody knows that. Um, white or black or whatever. But Aaliyah records, I don't I don't I don't even think she was in terms of performing, I don't think she ever that was like her big thing. Like, you know, Beyonce goes all in on that. I don't I don't think Aaliyah she, amazing singer, but I don't think she was the complete pop star. Um that Beyonce is. Uh, um, sorry, Amanda. I know you have a lot to say, or maybe. Um, but just before you go, um, the way I think about it is like, like Chedu said, Beyonce would have found her own lane. One, two. I think Aaliyah was more one of those artists that is both a musician and an actress, and I think she would have gotten to the actress point levels higher quicker than music because I feel like before she died she was already getting deep into acting so I'm not sure um what she acted I don't remember oh uh Romeo must die um there was another one she was in one of the ones Queen of the Damned exactly yeah yeah so I think um she had a few movies that were you know especially she was with with Jet Li in the Romeo must die and that was pretty big um, even though it was a crappy movie, it was big. Um, and there's another one, I just don't remember what it is, but uh, the one where she was like a vampire. No, that was Queen of the Damned. Was that Queen of the Damned? Okay, yeah, cool. Yeah, that was Queen of the Damned. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, I feel like she would, they would have diverged kind of. And what Timmy said is right. She, she didn't have that mass appeal that Beyonce does, but I feel like she would have had it on the movie side. That's why I'm saying her. Uh no, she's no Chida, I disagree with what you just said. I, I wholeheartedly disagree. <laughs> Do not bring that God in this hold on, conversation. Hold on. Before you start uh, fighting, let me let me clear some things up before Bernie says anything. Here's the first thing that I would say. I think there are two things at play. I think one is the industry. Mm-hmm. So when I say let's let's put talent aside, well, let's go back to 19. I'm old enough to remember this, 1998, 1999. The industry having two big, you know, black women at the top. I don't think the industry would have allowed that. The second okay. thing is the second thing is if you remember Beyonce's career earlier. Like cuz right now it's hard cuz we are looking back and I agree especially about we we on a time, you know, we got to go with the time machine with Aaliyah. Mm-hmm. And we've seen what Beyonce's career is. But y'all realize it was a moment before Beyonce. It was single ladies, really. When you talk about white folks, 
about Beyonce. Like they weren't messing, y'all, they weren't messing with Destiny's Child like that. Like they were, but they weren't, right? Like, especially some of the cuts, some of the cuts that we know, right? Okay, they may know Soldier, right? And I'm talking about stuff off of the last album. But off of that stuff with like why Clef Jean and no, 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 and all of that, that was straight black people. So so it's kind of hard to say, I would say, and I agree, I agree to this point that Aaliyah's career, because it was tragically cut short, we don't know. And I do agree that with the acting, I think she would have gone farther because I'm sorry, Beyonce still can't act. Y'all can do whatever you want to say. <laughs> like, she can't act. Unless she, it's a Violence. singing movie and she is singing, she can't act. J-Lo can't act, but you know what? That we ain't going to talk about her. <laughs> Carry on with your arguments. <laughs> Y'all, no, you she, know you can't fight. Uh, I, I mean, she, why y'all looking so sad though? Do, can she has she given you an Oscar worthy performance? Yo, <laughs> I, I think her performance in that elevator when Slime was beating up her husband was I brilliant. Mean, that, yes, was yes, like, that was. Like, that, that was amazing. She was straight faced the whole time. You know what kind of skill that don't, takes? Don't act like that girl from Houston can act though, because every time I hear her, I'm like, um, ma'am, you are an amazing performer, but the stage is not for you. I will agree. As an actor, she's trash. But um, <laughs> I'll, I'll say this: I was against you, and now I'm 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 thinking about it because "Try Again" was number one hit, and and to be a number one, you know, it's a Billboard like it's a Hot 100. To be on that, white people have to be listening to you. And, before and, streaming, no, y'all. Before streaming, yeah. yo, let's take it back. I had to right. buy these things on CD. I remember, right. like. When we were buying singles, what what people forget is that buying singles meant like you went and bought the freaking CD that only had two songs on it. That's what buying a single meant back in the day, which means the white people went to HMV and all these other places to go buy Tower that Tower Aaliyah Records, song. right? But against your point, uh, Amanda, there was a time where you had Janet Jackson and you had Whitney Houston. Who were both on top of the music game at the exact same time. Different music, sure. Ballads and all that stuff from Whitney, but Janet was on top of the game at that time. They let two black women, and let's not even get to talk about the one who I didn't know was black until like 10 years ago, Mariah Carey. Like, she was there too. She was there too. First of all, that is true. First of all, first of all though, I feel like you got to control for Janet. No joke intended, but you got to control for Janet. <laughs> You do. Because of Michael? Miss Jackson, if you're nasty. Like, this ain't... And by the time Janet got big, because Janet's first two albums bombed. By the time Janet got big, right, let's also remember, there's a whole generation that knew her as Penny as Good Times. Like, she had an acting career, like, and she was part of the Jackson. Like, Janet's a funky choice, and I love Janet. Although I could say something controversial, but I'm gonna keep it to myself because I don't, I don't, I don't say it in public. Episode 100 is for violence. I'm just telling you that right now. You can say whatever you want to say. Okay, okay, real talk, real talk. Janet, an amazing entertainer. Love her. I will dance to Pleasure Principle to the end of time. Grew up with oh, Janet, no. self-titled. I'm scared. But, but you know what it is? That chick, that that singing voice. Oh, I knew you were going to say that. No, 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 let me tell you, let me make my point. Let me make my point, and then you can, all okay. can argue however you want. Whenever anybody dies, who calls Janet to come and sing? <laughs> what is this? I mean, is, is, is that the barometer we're using? I don't, I don't know if that's you right. You would never hear 
anybody be like, Janet, come and sing a song. But okay, uh, Amanda, like, come and sing a song. Amanda, I'm gonna say one thing, right? <laughs> Chiru put in the chat Shade. Shade has a wonderful singing voice. Oh, I love singing that. talent. Yes. But no one calls her to sing at their funeral. So what are you saying? No, no, no. no. But, at least, but at least, at least, at least with Shade. Hold on. At least Shade gets even with some of the contemporaries, she gets compared. Nobody is like, you know, you sing like Janet Jackson. But she's not as you're, you're talking about her like it's J Lo. Sade is super reclusive, so she doesn't really like coming out and doing stuff and all that. So that's, um, you know, that's, you know, the discussion in her. But this is the first time I'm hearing this, that J-Lo, sorry, that Janet Jackson is not a good singer. Is that what you're saying? Like, Janet Jackson is not a good singer. She is not the strongest. She is not the strongest singer. And she's not Stay a with your singer, chest. singer. Stay with your chest. Stay <laughs> with your chest. Ah, she's not a singer Please. singer now. Uh-uh, come on, fight me. Do I care? Do I care? Wow. All my life I've been fighting. You think I care? Listen, listen. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on, though. So I, I was like, I don't know which album number Rhythm Nation is on her list. Truly, I, four. Is it number four? Because yes, yes, I should have bangers on no, it. That no, album. No, Rhythm Nation was amazing. You know why it was also amazing? Why? Terry Lewis and Jimmy Jam. I mean, does Beyonce write shit, though? Like, does, does Aaliyah write shit? Not though? even. Like, Terry was writing shit. Up. We don't want to talk about that, no, do we? <laughs> no, but here's the thing. I love Rhythm Nation. Y'all are acting as if The thing is, I actually stand Janet. But mm-hmm. I know that if it's like a singing contest, <laughs> right? I'm probably gonna go Beyonce. I'm probably gonna go with Whitney. I'm probably gonna go with Mariah, and I'm gonna be over here in a dance party with Janet. See, this is why my thing is why I do think, even though I get your point on Aaliyah, because I think Aaliyah would have been a would have been would have transcended past Black culture. I think she would have. I think she was on her way. She would have done that. I think that Beyonce still would have been bigger, only because Destiny's Child <clears throat> had its foothold. And we all see that thing that people do when Justin Timberlake, you know, br- does the group thing and then branches out. Michael Jackson did that. Everyone did that shit, right? Yeah. She would have done that. But the additional thing was, uh, to the point, that woman could sing. And if there's one thing that white people really like is a black person who sings a national anthem at anything and blows it away. That's how Whitney Houston came up. She did that every year, every July 4th. I'm, I live in Canada, but I see that clip every single year, right? Of, of Whitney Houston singing like, the Star Spangled Banner. Same thing with Beyonce. That woman can just sing. That like all your racism just washes away for a second and you forget your racism <laughs> and then you come back at when she's done singing. Like she really <laughs> would have been that would have been that to me. But I think they could have both been the same lane because I think Aaliyah would have gotten out of music. She was she died at 22. I think by 28 she would have been done. I don't I don't think she was into it like that like that. Hmm. I think Aaliyah would have been the precursor to who we have now, Rihanna. That's my thought. Mm. Mm. Um, she she definitely would have been Rihanna before Rihanna. That's that's what I mean. Obviously not fashion, but yeah, um, she would have been. That's exactly how I see her career going. So, um, but yeah, uh, very very. Go ahead, go ahead. One thing about Whitney, 
And this ain't a bad thing. So don't oh, really worry about it. Like, pull your, everybody's like, pull your We don't slander Whitney on here. <laughs> no, no, no. I love when... You know the funny thing about Whitney's career? Like, I, I promise you. Like, I, I watched a couple documentaries, like, even before she died. Is that... <laughs> Whitney... Whitney had audi- white audiences from the beginning. It was black audiences that she did not have as like like they respected her talent. But if you even go back, I forgot what documentary they talked about. She got booed at the Soul Train or what? Like this was right. This was right before she hadn't married Bobby yet. This was like eighty nine, ninety. So I remember Mary J. Blige was coming out, and and she didn't have. It's so weird that we think about the crossover appeal, but it's like the crossover went the other way than we thought it was. Like it's, mm. she had a lot of white audiences. Is she got black audiences more and more, especially after when she and Bobby started dating, and then it got it, you know, and she continued on like that. So Whitney's a fascinating person for me because I think even in the system, Clive. Anyway, we can talk about Clive Davis. He was trying to mold her into something which, I mean, she was a Jersey girl, and he was trying to not make her be a Jersey girl. But it is what it is. Anyway, do what you got? No, so I was going to jump on the, the the thought process you had about Aaliyah being done at twenty two, and I think it's you know God rest her soul and everything, but it's a little said about how much of a traumatic experience she'd had in the music industry, and it's just like even before her death, it was just tragic, just to think that she was going through all this these things and still yet producing hit after hit after hit. So it is one of those things where when I think about it, it's like you know, I mean. R. Kelly, man, you know, that's all I'm going to say. Um, yeah. Man, look, we want to talk about Chester the Molester because I, I got lots of that. <laughs> oh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't even like, like thinking about <laughs> Kelly. I don't even like thinking about that man. Like, that's anymore. Legit. That's all. legit. That's legit. I will say one thing, though. It, it, mm-hmm. is, it is very hard in my, for me personally. I've had an argument with somebody else over this before he went to jail. It is very hard when... Wait, who went to jail? The person you were arguing with or R. Kelly? No, R. Kelly. Okay. (laughs) Although I do know some people who went to jail recently, but that ain't got nothing to do with that. (laughs) Uh, But it's very hard when music is so part of your growing, which is why we actually start this conversation on my podcast. When music is part of like your memories and growing up, which is why we started talking about Michael and Beyonce and whatever, um, that when they do things that are so egregious and once again old enough to remember that these stories have been out for like years like i said Aaliyah was my age that it's hard when you hear the music even in passing and it takes you to a certain place but then you remember the person who all the stuff that was going behind it and that that to me that besides the obviously the victims and the and the survivors just the tragedy of just how tainted i think that his whole story is with especially for some those of us who kind of grew up with the music because so let me ask this question in the in that vein and i'll ask uh temi first do you still did you ever listen to r kelly and can you listen to r kelly right now not i didn't pick you out for any reason but (laughs) (laughs) oh shit um actually who did i ask recently i asked somebody recently like do you switch off like r kelly and whatnot like and uh they said that they did but i I don't, I, I don't go out and seek it, but um, if it comes on the, the, the playlist like randomly, I'm not gonna be like, oh, talk catch. And usually, I don't have like the, you know, the softer songs that he was doing. It's more like where he's like featured on hooks, like let's say Fiesta remix or something like that. 
Yep. You know, so that where he has, I'm not, I, I, maybe in, in retrospect, I'm like, oh, maybe it's minimal R. Kelly um, participation on this song. I, I can listen to it now, but I try not to be like, oh, it's R. Kelly. Let's, you know, I try to just have like an organic listening experience. Mm-hmm. So I would say I still listen to R. Kelly, sadly. Yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah. No, I think it's fair. I think that's how I feel too. I mean, somehow in general, in my playlist listing right now, I don't hear anything other than Nigerian music, really. I'll be honest with you. So I don't really get to have that issue. Uh, but I, I, I mean, there's some songs that are just simply like, I can't, if I hear Ignition, like Chilu just said, I'm not gonna, like, that's too good a song not to, like, does, does, does your body move? Does your body yes, move it too? Does. <laughs> yeah. Like, you said it, I'm, and in my mind, yeah. I was like, you said it, you said it. Like, I was like, bumping, and I was like, no, stop. Yeah. Exactly. I, I, I try to give I try to give grace for these things and kind of separate the person from the music and the art from the person, but it's so hard, especially because the AI in the streaming service is doing it for you, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So it's like I have to fight against that to kind of say, okay, I really want to listen to this song because it takes me back to Rick D's early two thousands, listening to Top Forty radio and this song coming on because. It is part of my musical journey. And I'm not talking about R. Kelly specifically, but anything yeah. that came out from that era that introduced me to all kinds of eclectic music, right? There's a special kind of transportation that takes you back to where you were, you know, every, you know thinking you're going to be a herb forever, you know, thinking you're going to be living with strict parents forever. And it was making you imagine, you know, all the possibilities. So, I mean, it's sad because you definitely now it's tainted because you listen to it and you, you move a little bit. But it, it it doesn't pass one leg or the you know does it one two step, but before it used to be the whole you know it was a whole experience, uh, you know. But yeah, so. I I I will say, I I do turn it off, um, only because, once again, I think when I think about the most of the victims, I think about my age, I think about you know people that I follow who were his victims, who were black women, like it's it's hard for me as a black woman to listen knowing what I've known for years. And, the, but here's, here's what is very hard for me. So we're talking about the stuff that's explicitly his stuff like Fiesta Ignition. One of my favorite, favorite songs, that's a Maxwell song, was written by R. Kelly. And that's where it's hard for me. Cause whenever I hear Fortunate, I'm like, yes. And I then that's I'm all like- though. And then I'm like, and then I'm like, but this fool that wrote it, but Maxwell singing it. So if I if I pretend (laughs) Maxwell wrote it, then I'm good. 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 You're good. It's it's the music nerd in you. That's that's what that's what's (laughs) in the way. So you just have to kind of just be like, (laughs) y'all like just turn it out. They're like just so funny. But just the voice. And so that's the thing is that I I know that there's some of my favorite songs he wrote right, and I you know. Whatever, one, two step, whatever, I could ignore. Like I wasn't big on that or I believe I could find I don't care, right? But but it's it's the stuff that he wrote for people that I really like that I'm just like, <sighs> I hope you ain't making money off of me listening <laughs> to this one street. Yeah, <laughs> so, I, yeah. I, I hear that. I hear that. Yeah. Um let's so thank you guys for acknowledging the Beyonce discussion. I just personally thought she looked really good at the Oscars and reminded me of my own wife. I'm just saying. That's 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 like work it in there. I appreciate that's, 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 
That's all I'm saying. Like, I, listen, I saw that and I was like, mm, my wife is better than that. But that's why I wanted to bring up Beyonce. That's it. Um, but Beyonce, the reason why we're only talking about Beyonce was because she looked... Right? Firstly, anytime there's a crisis in the black community, I feel like Beyonce is there. I don't know why, but I feel like she's present. And her face was like, oh, I've seen worse shit than this. Like, that was what her face looked like at this event, which we're going to talk about. And I know people are probably bored with the discourse of it, but we haven't talked about this here, so we're going to do it. Um, I have some thoughts, and I got harassed for them in the group chats, which I, I was, I was, is unbelievable to me. But uh, I wanted to get you guys' thoughts, and Chidu will start with you. Chris Rock and Jay-Z was the big thing that we're still talking about. Will Smith. What'd I say? I said, Jay-Z. ah. Jay-Z. 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 I was like, Jay-Z. I was like, what? I was like, who? What happened? Spicy. This is me. I was attacking the victims of assault. Jay-Z Chris Rock. My bad. My bad. Solange and Will Smith are something to answer for. But Chris Rock and Will Smith what what Jenny, what what's your take on on the whole thing and then we'll we'll go around man i um do not watch award shows um i did not watch this one i just woke up in the morning to my wife saying there's been a slap that was heard around the world <laughs> um, i was like so it's a good week to stay off social media right but even staying off social media, there's no way you can't. But to me, I, it just it boils down to one thing, and I'm going to go down to the whole legal side of things, right? Assault on camera, right? Whatever happens to you, it's, it's the consequences are clear because essentially there's an example, right? There's a statute, there's crime, there's, you know, in the UK, wherever else it is, grievous bodily harm. You've done something to somebody else. Yes, now we understand the context. You've been benign for, you know, over many, many years. Disrespected, butter many jokes, you know, butter many songs. Do we still want the Will and Jada love? I ask myself that every single day. But, you know, my take is whatever they do in the privacy of their home is theirs. You know, and I've always respected the fact that they are showing us, I guess, a different way of love and how love can continue um, and how they spice things up, I guess. You know, it works for some, it doesn't work for all. But um, I, I would never condone violence, especially when, you know, you know, it's on the public record and it's going to live forever. Um, it's going to be hard to contextualize that. You know, 10 years from now, I'll be like, Will slapped Chris. We'll forget the context. You know, it would just be a meme that would, it would just be a gif that's just going to go around in the group chat that I'm in for football. If I say something <laughs> stupid, that's the gif that comes out. So <laughs> it's immortalized as just, you know, um, a way of kind of comeuppance and a way of kind of just showing, you know, disapproval. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I just, I wish him luck. I wish him a lot of therapy. I, w- I wish him a lot of um, healing because clearly he's not over everything. Um, but I think, you know, if he was the person that I thought he was going to be, he would have handled it a lot differently. But, you know, again, emotions bubble up and yeah, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. Timmy, let me ask you this in the context of your podcast. So, allegedly jada gave man's the look right <laughs> so would you want to be married to a woman who can trigger you like that <laughs> Hell to the no like that's some yes man bs like oh my wife is mad i gotta do something <laughs> just take around slapping motherfuckers like shit nah man um 
I like most people, I saw that live. I try and actually watch award shows because, you know, I, I like good live performances and whatnot. But um, I'm always in defense of comedy, like off rip. Um, so I was thinking like, Will, you're coming from a comedic background. Jada, even if Chris Rock knew about the whole alopecia thing, that's still, to me, that's fair game because it's Hollywood, right? And this is a comedian, like... That's the job. That's what he, you know, and it's it was such a light job, like you know, GI Jane too, uh, like very very light joke kind of thing. To me, the only thing that I might have an issue with is that back in 2016, when Chris Rock made the joke about um, Rihanna, um, Jada boycotting the Oscars, like you know, boycotting Rihanna's, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, um, and maybe Will stepped to him then and was like, yo, dude, say you can do whatever you want, but don't talk to my wife ever again in public, that kind of thing. And uh, maybe if they if they did have that discussion and Chris still went ahead and made that crack, then yeah. But, you know, comedy, man, for me, it's just, uh, I'm a huge fan of comedy. And even with Chris Rock, I think this is like going to give him so much material um, about that whole night. He can stretch this place out however he wants. Already ticket sales are up and whatnot. But yeah, like... From from the environment they're in, Hollywood, um, comedy, like Will, completely out of line. That's my take on it. Okay, uh, Amanda, what say you? We're all agreeing. I don't like this. <laughs> As somebody who has slapped somebody, <laughs> okay. No, I mean, look, my friend was like, ah, I'm pro slap. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, all of us, if you grew up in, I, like I said, I, I grew up in Cameroon. So somebody saying, I'll go slap you. Like, he followed through. <laughs> like, he did it. I, like, I, here's the problem, though. And I, and, and there's, this is where I am in agreement. You can't be doing these things on camera. <laughs> That's the problem. I have no problem. If you thought the joke was stupid, yes, go ahead. In fact, <laughs> There should have been a proper brawl, but you can't do it on camera because now when I look at the conversation online, which by the way, I did not see it live because I was watching season two of Bridgerton. So, <laughs> so I did not even know. I did Good not choice. even know <laughs> until I looked at my phone and somebody said, ah, they have slapped somebody on stage. I said, well, who did they slap? Um, but you know, to me, there's a bigger issue at play because obviously there's something that's longstanding and we all have had things that we've been mad at people, we've been angry at people, whatever. But like the going on stage, that that was a little too much for me. Although I did have to remind people, I don't know why everybody is so sensitive. Some of us grew up in the era of the Source Awards. I don't know if y'all remember the Source Awards. I remember... 2,500 people have to be cleared out the whole damn arena because 75 dudes rushed the stage and chairs it's went flying. Yeah, yeah. So mm -hmm. for me, I said it was a slap. They did not have to clear the, the, the thing. But I think that whatever it is that they have to work out, like they, they clearly have some beef they need to work out. But what I didn't appreciate was the think pieces on Twitter because, <laughs> I mean, I've seen everything from, you know, do black men defend black women, right? Mm, mm, mm. Why are white people in this conversation, right? Uh, Y'all do know if you f around, you about to find out, right? Because that's a, <laughs> that's a that's a metaphor in the black community, <laughs> depending on what your black community is, right? So he f around and he found out. 
Like I've, I've seen this, oh, he ought to be banned and he ought to be stripped. And I'm like, okay, some of y'all white people are real rabid about this. And then people go in, oh, you know, well, what about the children? Ain't nobody's children up at 1030 at night watching the Oscars. <laughs> Just say, <laughs> I mean, we, half of us barely watch the Oscars. So don't tell me it's about the children, right? But then the, the follow-up conversation, well, this makes all black people look bad. I mean, no, I, no, I, I look, I don't care. OJ made the know? black community look bad, not this. Like, what are we talking about? <laughs> Like, I was like, and I, well, then I asked the question, why is it so important to you what you look like to other groups of people? But that's a whole nother story. But, you know, for me, <laughs> I, do I think that it seemed to have livened up the Oscars? Apparently, because their mm-hmm. ratings were already down for like they were really down the year before. So this was a make or break. So they they added a spice that we did not anticipate. But that being said, I, I do think that whatever it is that Chris Rock seems to have her name in his mouth might be a, another conversation. <laughs> but that's just mm. Yeah. Jindy, you tucked um, the conversation in the group chat. What, what do you, what do you... Yeah, I didn't really uh, elaborate on anything. Um, so I have different, different views on this. Um, I'll be honest. I, I see both sides. I'm okay with the how things are right now. And then I'm also okay if he didn't do anything right now and it wasn't public or if he didn't do anything at all. And let me explain. Um, just in research and things coming up, it seems to me there's a history of Chris Rock attacking Jada Smith. Um, whether it's, and he does it through comedy. 2016 was not the first time. Um, in 1997 or something, apparently something was up between them and he's talked about her before on his special. So it's not the first time, number one. Number two, again, everyone didn't like how he attacked her in 2016, you know, uh, well, what he said in 2016. Clearly, they've had a discussion before, which is why he said that one was nice, you know, on the stage. After he said the joke, he said, come on, come on, that one was nice, right? So he knew what he was doing was dicey. So they've either, he, Will, and Jada have either discussed this or just generally he knows what he did last time was not taken on nicely by everyone. And so he knew he had to preface the joke by saying that was nice, right? And clearly that shows me guilt. Uh, Third, we've seen some transcript of people inside saying that he wasn't supposed to say anything about her hair or like that was extra he threw in. You know, Mm -hmm. the whole, the whole, um, G.I. Jane thing was extra. So clearly he took the step and he misstepped. Now, where the other argument is, he's a comedian. I don't believe in necessarily censoring comedians, but at the same time, they have to answer for what they say if people take it wrong. So, right. So unfortunately, we can't control everyone's reaction to comedy, right? We've, we've had different instances where we've tried to back the comedians and say, okay, they can say what they say. It's comedy. It's comedy. It's supposed to bring uh, different light to everything. You know, make everyone feel a little bit better about what happened. So take it as it is. Um, I see that point, but also we've seen a lot of comedians deal with consequences of jokes that they made that people have not appreciated. Kevin Hart, his anti-gay jokes long ago got him off the Oscar stage. You know. Um, Dave Chappelle, even though it didn't really affect him, he doesn't care, but he's lost things because of what he said or he's gotten backlash. The only difference here is that um, Chris Rock was physically uh, assaulted, which which is a problem. So I'll get to that part now. 
will I feel one should not have done that in public stage? That's my biggest issue with this. And it's not even an issue because I'm okay with the consequences of him doing that in public. Whatever happens to him, apart from losing the Oscar, which I think he deserves anyways, apart from that, anything that happens after that is... So if if if, if Chris Rock decided to press charges, I would have been okay with that, you know? Uh, if the if they if the committee who's judging him from the academy say they want to take back his Oscar, I mean he'll have to swallow that. But I would rather them not do that. I'll rather them maybe expel him from the academy, you know, to some extent. Let him be done with acting or with their their whole thing forever from now on. At least he's gotten his Oscar and it's in the record books. He'll keep that, right? And that's just me being sentimental towards Will. Really, other than that. He should feel whatever consequences come his way because he did it, like mm-hmm. you said, in public, and he should feel the ramifications of that. But I think also what Will did was because of the just the pylon and everything, right? I think that this mm-hmm. was the first time in public that he's been made fun of in public, and he thought he had to do something. One, because, yes, they've been doing it forever, and he's never been in front of everyone. Two, because his wife didn't take it funny. He laughed. He did laugh at the joke. Whether it was an uncomfortable one, whether it was a professional one, because he was he knew where he was, so he just had to laugh. He may have been offended, but he was laughing. And again, it might be pretentious because he knew where he was, or it was probably genuine that he didn't really think about it. But he saw his mm-hmm. wife's reaction and decided to do something. Right? He decided to do something. Which what he decided to do... Go ahead. As a, as, as a married man, right? And, and this mm-hmm. is where sort of I sit on this and why I got so much hate to me, like the point that you just made, right? Like he saw his wife's reaction. I feel just like everyone here, the slap was wrong. Okay. Like to slap someone like that, like emasculate the man because of what he did. I think that's wrong. However, Wait, hold However, on. The slap, yeah. the slap was wrong because it was in public. I did not say to slap yourself. You, if this, you were to slap somebody, just don't do it on camera. That's all I, I said. I've got, I've got two levels to this. To me, there are two levels to this, right? Like, you've come on stage like a big man to slap someone in public and embarrass the guy. I think, A, for your brand, like, have some sense. A, for the sake of your family, have some sense. And for yourself, have some sense. Like, that, that makes no sense. If you slapped him behind the scenes, like, people at least could go, Ooh, okay, so, like, you know, the argument gets a little bit murky, and that's how you sh- it should be in that case, right? Because then people make the case of he's defending his wife. They don't know if, what Chris may have done to, like, maybe egg him on later on. You can have a whole story if it's behind the scene. I, so, to your point, the slap in public is wrong. I can understand people saying you shouldn't slap him anyway. But to me, it comes to the heart of kind of what Chimney was saying. And, Timmy, you'll find out eventually once... It happens, and then you don't have to, no longer have to do your podcast. Which is, if someone makes a joke, and I get protect all comics, I'm for it. I defended Dave Chappelle with his with the trans thing. I do, but to me, as a married man, if you make fun of something that I know that my wife finds incredibly sensitive, I'm not saying I will go and slap you. I'm not saying I would even say anything to you, but I'm saying I will have an adverse reaction to that thing. And that's what I said to people in that. I get where the energy came from. I get it completely. Because as a married person, you suffer the same things that your significant other suffers. And even if I might laugh and I see that look, I go, oh, shoot, I forgot where I was for a second. This is some bullshit that you don't like. Exactly. I, I'm not saying go slap the guy, but I'm saying 
if you are a married person and you're telling me that you don't feel the same hurt that your significant other feels, yo, I'm not sure what you're married for. That's just that's, that's just me. Like, uh, I, I'm just I, I don't I don't get why you'd be married if you don't have that reaction. Like, oh yeah, you you feel this type of way. This hurts you. Wait, well, how about this though? If your wife is um, in the same industry as you, like, um, let's say you're hosting a kind of like a shock jock comedy show, kind of like um, what's my man's name? That wild white boy that um, Jerry Spring. Oh, Howard Stern. Stern. Let's say Stern. Let's say he, he has a female co-host. I forget her name. The black lady. Let's say you're Robin. Yeah, yeah. Let's say you're married to her, and you have a wild guest come on the show, and he's cracking on everybody, and you know, he cracks on Robin, your wife. Like, this is the industry you guys are in. You know what I mean? Like, to me, it's kind of like par for the course, right? To me, it's like, this is, we're in Hollywood, we're in entertainers. You know, you you kind of trade off, right? With the whole celebrity thing. Like, you trade off fame and fortune to be a public target. So it's like, she shaved her head. uh, Well, she shaved her head and it was due to some illness, uh, ailment. But you're in Hollywood. It's kind of like it's going to come. And I, it came. In a, I don't know the, any of the other jokes or not, but I thought it was a very lighthearted, oh, you're going to be in G.I.J. too. Ha, ha, ha. That kind of thing. I didn't I, that's like what it personally. I'll be honest. I didn't like it. Like, Chiru, I'll, I'll, I'll let you go. It just It's not that I didn't like it because all of a sudden there was a slap. And I get what you mean by it's kind of soft. On the outside, I can understand it. But as someone like I have insecurities myself, sure, fine, I can laugh about them, whatever. But in Will's statement, he said jokes about my wife are different, and it's not it, to your point. It may have been tamed to everybody. I can get that, but to her, it's not. So he feels he internalizes that, and that doesn't mean he's right. He's wrong. But at the minute you internalize someone else's pain, shit happens, man. That's just how shit works. Cheers, sorry, I, I, I cut you off. What are you gonna say? No, I was gonna say there's two things I've been circling through my mind since we started this. So they're celebrities first. I mean, they're celebrities, but they're humans first, right? There's always that emotion. There's always that insecurity. There's all, all things we feel they feel. So there's nothing, there's no such thing as par for the course because essentially it's just how they can spin it away from not affecting them or making it seem like, you know, it's it's bigger than than this and that. And there was something Amanda said about, and this was a part that of conversation that my wife brought up about that circling around with the think pieces that this is how you defend your woman. This is how you step up. And I'm like, I'm going to tour the family line, but I'm not doing anybody violence, right? Mm-hmm. I'm not going to, you know, in my own, go out of character to defend, right? I know it hurts you. I empathize. We'll do what we can in a solidarity type of way. We have to leave, abscond, march out, never show up things like that, boycott. But for me to go and fight somebody else, uh, that's not, that's not going to work. So like, I just feel like we should put all that, (laughs) put that in the trash. That's not the way to do it. Let me ask you guys this question. Amanda, I'll ask ask you first. If someone made a joke about your mom and your mom had had alopecia, like, I think a lot of people go like, all right, it's his wife, it's Jada, it's fine, whatever. But if you said that, if Chris said that about someone's mom, what would you think would happen, Amanda? 
I mean, first of all, I know me and my sister, so we're brawlers. So I'm gonna just say that right now, like, you know, like real, real talk, is because we love Jesus now. Because somebody would have been laid out. So I'm like, I don't know, if we the best ones because we're very hot tempered in my family. I'm not even lying. My brother-in-law is the chillest one. He married in. I told him the one you married, just you know, be prepared. Call me if you need me. Um, but. I, like, here's the thing. I, I was just thinking as all y'all were talking, and for, here's here's the funny part. Like, we're talking about Will, Jada, and Chris, right? They're celebrities. I think part of the reason Will got this entire blow up, besides the fact that he actually went on stage, is that nobody expected that from the nice black guy. But that's mm -hmm. the nice black guy in terms of what our perception is of him. We don't know, like, we don't know who he is and what he internalizes and what he deals with. And so when I even talk about the think pieces who want to say, we should do this and they want to pull stuff and this, that, whatever, I'm saying that's based on the image that you've built up of this person. Because this same person could have talked to Chris Rock 15, 11 times about this same situation. We don't know about it. We don't know, you know, how it got to this point. But it got to a point where somebody who none of us would have thought had a temper or whatever we want to call it, right? In the 20 some odd years we've seen him, got up on stage and hit a person. And the thing is, I agree. Like if you're a comic, fine. Free speech, do your thing, right? There's going to be, I mean, there are consequences to everything, but do your thing. But I think it's real interesting because Chris Rock also knows them. Y'all remember his brother was on one of the shows they produced. So it's not like these people been knowing each other for decades. Mm -hmm. So, so for me, I'm sitting here thinking you probably know this is a pain point and you went with it anyway, cause it wasn't written in the script. So should you have gone there? Nah. Should he got off on stage? Nah. But like, we also have to remember that there's a whole dynamic. We don't know about folks and how we perceive them and who they are. It's not necessarily the same thing. I mean, not to bring it back to our patron Saint Beyonce, mm -hmm. but like bring it back. the thing <laughs> I here's the thing I love about Beyonce. You know we don't know her, right? Mm -hmm. She ain't given an interview in like nine years. No, I'm just serious. Like an actual Beyonce, if you look for a Beyonce interview, you ain't gonna find it, right? But yeah. what do we know about Beyonce? Her carefully crafted social media, her mm. appearances, and her website. You ain't know what's going on in her house with Jay-Z. And when she had her album come out and alluded to Jay-Z cheating, that's when all hell broke loose because, and she didn't even say he was cheating directly, right? But but she spoke through her music. In the same way, like we looking at these folks and I'm just saying, there's got to have been a beef there because there's no reason why a black man who's in the running for an Oscar, the lead Oscar, which only a black man has won, what, four times even, mm -hmm. is going to go up on stage and do his best impression of LL Cool J's mama said, knock you out. Like, that's not, <laughs> like that, there's a beef there. We just don't know what the beef is. And to your point, yeah, if, if, you, <laughs> if you said something about me, I am old enough and grown enough not to do it where you can document it, but are you going to catch it? You are. It might be at your house. It might be at mine. It might be in the street. But I ain't going to have the camera there. <laughs> <laughs> Because I like my money. I, that's the only thing. I actually like my money. <laughs> so that's what it is. I, I, I hear that. I hear that. And, you know, I think, Jim, we've seen it 
on on the group chat what a lot of people are doing that i find really weird and this happened with us is that people are like well why didn't he slap august and i'm like well i'm pretty sure on red table talk they both said she didn't cheat <laughs> it was just the fact that it was august and it wasn't like even if you watch that shit it wasn't as if like will was like mad because like she cheated it was we have an open relationship it wasn't working you fucked our son's friend. That that that's what that story was. So for people to be like, he should have slapped August. Like he doesn't have a problem with August. He doesn't. He doesn't need to have a problem with August. I, I don't get why people are putting shit on Jada when Jada just sat there and looked all sad because someone made a ball joke about her. Like, it's just weird. <laughs> That, I don't even want to get started on that. Anyway, somebody else take take my mic away because that whole. I think I think the only reason I think the only reason why the Jada thing comes up is because people believe that she gaslights him a lot and she has him under her thumb, and people are, on the one hand, entertained by, it, but on the other hand, a little bit disgusted and uh, on and over uh, underwhelmed by it, and this kind of topped it off where her reaction and his need to validate himself in her eyes made him do that. That's what people are saying. And I think that's valid also in its own way. Uh, unfortunately, uh, we will never know. We don't know them. So we will never know exactly what his motivations were, but I can only tell, I can only imagine being someone in that situation, how it must affect you personally. It, there's no way it doesn't affect him. We've seen that I, I only just now saw snippets of the documentary they did as a family where he was talking about his family trauma when he was a kid, how he wanted to make sure his life was not like that, how he tries to be a pleaser first in his family. So a lot of things that happens in his family is not something that's conventional. So, you know, he just lets them do them, essentially. Um he turns a blind eye to, to many things. So this is all culminating in one place. And again, that's why I feel like this was just one boiling pot, which wasn't even a boiling pot till he turned to her and that further triggered him. And he just did that now. And it was, it was uncharacteristic. And again, like I said, he should pay for it in whatever way a new one comes up with, like whatever comes out of it, he deals with it because it wasn't public stage. Other than that, he had a target for the first time in all this time, things coming out, and he acted. I don't think I necessarily blame him for that. Just that, just just the act, just the act of being triggered because someone was in your presence. I personally would have liked it if he went backstage and punched him up, maybe backstage. And that's, a little, <laughs> that's, that's a little bit different. That's a little bit different. But just the fact that it was this is right the way. There, that's how we do it. Yeah, this is just the fact that it was out there is what depresses me because now he has to face consequences which i think he should because he did something in public eye to me that's that's where that's where my balance comes in you know he definitely yeah. did wrong he should get penalized for it but i support that he did the wrong just can, he did the wrong way. I, I see what you're saying can I ask you take a the question yeah can i ask a question though like how bad do we think this is gonna affect his career not his career his career is done he's 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 solid He's not. It's not like a Weinstein where everything's gonna be, and even that's not even just bothered at this point. He's just in jail, but no one's taking any of his accolades away from him. None of that. So, from that standpoint, he's not gonna have any issues. Yeah, the only issue, I mean, imme the immediate term, like Netflix backed out of his 
one of the movies. I don't know what movie they were. No, but they were already, they were somebody else already backing out of that. That was just an excuse, to be honest. Yeah. Like, they already had an issue there, so. Yeah, so I think just in general, things like that may happen in the immediate term. Other than that, he's not going to have any issues. He has his own production companies, Mm -hmm. different things going for him. So this will just be a, a mar on his, like, people's public perception of him. But I don't think it will stop him from making money or anything of that sort anymore. That's, you guys, that's my thought. Do you guys think that Jada is more controlling of Will than Beyonce is controlling of Jay? Because that man um, put out a whole. Hold on. I'm just saying. Let me let me let me say something really quickly, Amanda. Sorry. Uh, I do not think so, but I feel like Jay Z and Beyonce's relationship. Has more balance than than Will and Jada. At least at this point, does it looks to me because, or maybe just Jay Z has a little bit more. I don't know. I don't want to say this. He doesn't seem like that kind of person. He's not. He's he was his his he's his own person to begin with. Like he's you know what I'm saying. I think he's more reasonable. Where he messed up before. They talked about it in public. It wasn't even as public as this. He's acknowledged it and he's moving how he wants to move. He's not making him move any type of way, apart from the fact that she checked him before. Whereas in this case, I feel like the Jada Will dynamic has been <sighs> imbalanced from the jump. You know, Im- imbalanced to say the least. For as, long, as long as once Tupac died and he, like, I feel like that person is like, to the extent that your daughter is writing letters to someone she never fucking knew, like, <laughs> what? It's true. No. Like what? I mean, okay. like what? Tammy, this is like, not how you do math. I'll tell you that right now. Like, <laughs> this is not the right way to do it. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I want to go back to the controlling thing that you mentioned. Um, you said that you know Jada's probably is she more controlling, and I think, um, yeah, maybe not controlling, but um, I look at the age gap between Beyonce and Jay Z, right? Like. Hole has made, like yes, actually when they got exactly. married when they got together that was like kind of scandalous back in the day like the age gap is pretty <laughs> pretty sizable right but um, I think uh, Will and Jada they're definitely closer in age yeah. so I think that's something to be said about um, you know marrying and I know a lot of like especially back home like maybe not especially but it's preached more to marry someone that respects you so maybe that's something that. Um, the West, Western marriages need to look at a bit harder. Maybe, maybe I don't know if it's a thing. You guys who are married, anyone who's married, is that is that a thing? Is that something that you should be thinking about? Like, hey, my wife the has to respect angle? me. Yeah. yeah. It, but you got to respect versa. her at the same time, right? The vice yeah. versa. Yeah, it's both ways. But I get what you're saying. I think I think that might be it. I think Jay-Z already has so much gravitas on his own. And there's only so much Beyonce could do... Um, Apart from, you know, he did something wrong. This is not, he cheated. So it's not like he's, you know, I think like he's the How offender. How long are you supposed to beg for your, he's the offender, he's the, but he's the offender in this, Jay-Z. He's not begging anymore. He's just changed his ways. Right. And she respects him enough. He has his own gravitas enough where he's not, he's not, I don't want to use this word, but he's not simping out for her. Like if they <laughs> break up, if they break up today, he's his own person. She's her own person. It's not going to be, he's not going to be. 
you're never going to see his head down. He's still going to be thriving type of thing. I feel like the respect thing you're saying probably comes from that because Jay-Z was him before they got together. Will was Will before them, but Will was also a happy-go-lucky, please-everyone type person. Uh, he probably pursued her harder than she pursued him. I said from the jump, it doesn't seem like it's been level between them. It just doesn't I, when you go back I, and look at it. Yeah, I, I think to that point, and, and to bring it a bit more general, um, and Chido, I like to see what you think about this, is that the respect angle, it doesn't matter how the respect sort of surfaces as long as it's there. Because some people, right, in the in the context of control, and the reason I ask that question is because I think it's a little bit disingenuous and a little bit offensive the way people are talking about the way Jada's controlling my man a little bit. And same thing with Beyonce. I was just curious to see what people thought. I, I don't like the idea of this, oh, evil woman that controls. There's It's a narrative that is actually in African culture a lot that, like, you know, in those movies you watch, like, the mom is upset because, ah, I, how can you marry this girl? She's she's going to take you away from our family and do all this stuff. It's this weird thing that we like to do culturally. But to like, I don't, I generally don't like that. But to me, when we're talking about respect in a marriage, it doesn't matter how that respect manifests as long as it's there. Because people can choose what roles they want to play. Either we're co-CEOs, if that's how you roll. Either we're separate entities who do business with each other. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to give corporate analogies here. And if you can make that joint venture work between you, great, fine. Or you make a conscious decision over who in that relationship is the leader of this. And you respect that person accordingly. It could be the woman, it could be the man. As far as I'm concerned, I don't really care. But as long as you've made that decision about what role someone is playing, you play your role. That's this is how I see it. I see it. You play that role and you respect what that role means in both ways. And I think is a lot Jada of people leading? are like, is Jada leading it? Look, I think they're both leaders in their own right trying to make this joint venture work and not and it's not working correctly. Even though they have an open marriage, but that August thing, Will was crying. Like, even though she, she, she said she didn't do anything wrong, my man's in tears because their marriage wasn't actually working, which means somewhere down the line, that respect was gone because even though she did nothing wrong, technically, why are you having sex with your son's friend? <laughs> like, like there's a respect barrier that is gone, and I see that. But, you know, Chiodu, what, what you, you wanted to go. What, what are you thinking? No, uh, for me, it's one of those things where um, first, like, you know, controlling Beyonce or Jada or whatever. Like, we don't know them, right? So, but whilst we're in the realm of speculation, yes, I love that situation. Where, <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna dive in and say, you know, there's some there's certain things that are not uh, for public consumption, right? There's certain things you don't owe us an explanation to, right? Um, say you could do the whole red table thing, and I've watched a couple of episodes, but you just look at it as as like you're doing more harm to yourself by bringing us into these bedroom conversations that don't we don't need to be part of. I don't know if you're trying to lead a conversation somewhere or kind of make you know yourself feel okay about the decisions you've made. Once you make it, make it to your chest. Go down and do what you need to do, right? And to the whole thing about respect, right? It's like, you know, you were using the, the business terms and as a, you know, recovering investment banker, it's hard to, to, to <laughs> let go of them. But it's like, there's just two <laughs> levels to it, right? It's either you, it's a merger of equals, right? Or it's an acquisition, right? You choose early on what it is, set it, manage expectations and carry on, right? When you lose your power and your advocacy and your own self in the situation, right? It becomes really, really weird to kind of 
gain that dominance back, right? Or gain that power back, right? And then when you even look at his history and his story about how he left his first wife or girlfriend or whatever it is to chase her, it kind of doesn't bode well for the relationship. Um, but it, that, that's where I'll stop. So, yeah. Okay. Okay. So exactly. I, 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 exactly. I like He's that. been chasing her forever. He's been chasing her forever. He's, he's at her mercy in general. And I'm not saying that's wrong. There's a lot of relationships that are like that. There's always usually people say there's always one side that loves the other more than more than one. It, it sometimes is true. But yeah, that's the way they've been. And I think that that's, that rides on to how he behaves in her presence or for her. And that's why, you know, he did what he did, in my opinion. To your point, it's what he agreed to, most likely, right? Yep. Like, this is how it's going to be. Amanda, what are you saying? So you guys were talking, it was just making me think like, okay, so none of us are extremely famous, right? But we all have- Speak for yourself. I mean, actually, a lot of people do know me, but I was just trying to make it- That's why you still can't be. Anyway, (laughs) but but anyway, no, but, but here's the thing though. Like I was just listening as you guys were talking, I was thinking to myself, you know, with this whole red table talk deal that she's been doing, I get that they're celebrities, but sometimes people have a hard time about boundaries with their own personal life and what needs to be out there. And I think about that as a podcaster, and I think about the stuff that I do with the Black Expat, because when you start to put your stuff out there, people start to become very familiar in in a way that they don't need to be familiar with you, because you have told them things that probably should have been between you and your partner, you and your family, you and your whomever, right? And so... You know, it's crazy to me. This whole situation happened with Chris Rock, right? And immediately you saw the arguments start jumping in about Jada and August, right? That mm-hmm. may have nothing to do with the hill of beans, right? But because there's there's stuff that that I, I don't know if it's their attempt to be relatable, authentic. These are all words people use, right? Genuine, like whatever, a bunch of crap. But these are these things that people say and then and then it bites you in the butt because now all the conversation wants to be around well, you didn't go slap August like that. Oh, you know, you've been sipping after for like, like, and, and so I think of that even as us, as those who are content creators, do we set up our own boundaries in terms of like, especially y'all who are doing storytelling where it's coming from a personal space. Mm-hmm. Like there's some of me in my stuff that I do, but it ain't all out there. I mean, the, the crazy part with what I do is that I didn't realize I don't put that much out there until people kept asking me, where in the world are you? And I thought it was obvious, but I realized I got boundaries. And so I think even with this whole thing, like even the conversation we're having, I just keep going, how much of it is because you've allowed us to speculate about your lives in your Mm -hmm. effort to share things that we do not need to know. And this is why this is probably even bigger than just a, you ran up and slapped someone. I agree. Tell me what you said. When you're talking about boundaries, this is what I was saying regarding when you sign up to be in an entertainer, like you have to be authentic. Um, I mean, props to Beyonce was able to be able to separate her personal from her private. But for most people, and especially in the age of like social media, you have to connect with people by giving up, you know, parts of your life. Like my stuff is called uh, Why Aren't You Married? And Ideally, ideal scenario, I, ha- I do maybe season one, and then I think I've season two, I want someone else who I feel um, is really, really willing to explore all aspects of the whole marriage uh, sphere. 
But that's what I was saying, like why I thought that the whole thing about, you know, getting a jab, like Chris Rock kind of throwing that, what I call a light jab at, at uh, Jada. It's like, this is Hollywood. This is the business. This is work kind of thing. And by you even putting out the August stuff, which to me was a clear uh, indication or attempt to get paid and have more viewers. And it's a kind of like vicious cycle. Everybody's looking for money. You do what you can. So this is it. This is what you're going to, this is what you have to do. You're going to say, Hey, I want to get paid as an entertainer, especially in today's day and age. I have to give up a lot about my personal life so that people can connect to it. Cause that's, that's just how it works. I, I, I see that. I'll say this to your argument though. I don't think Denzel was there. I don't think that if Pauletta was bald, Chris Rock would look at Pauletta and make a G.I. Jane joke. I don't believe it. And I think part of that is because to the point, and this kind of adds to everything that we're talking about in terms of maybe this wasn't just about the slap. Will is a disrespected human being. He's been a meme for a couple of years. I just don't see him as Chris Rock. I don't care who he is. I don't see Chris Rock. I don't see Dave Chappelle. I don't see Bill Burr. Nobody looking at Denzel and his wife. I don't care if they've been out there or not. And maybe it's a function of Jada and Will themselves. Maybe they did it to themselves. I don't know. I don't care. I don't see them doing that. So the idea of it's just comedy. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, your point is correct in, in many ways. I get you. Protect comics. Let them say what they want to say. But I think it's a bit disingenuous when I know there are certain people you wouldn't dare say anything about because you don't have the balls to say it to them. Because Samuel L. Jackson don't be getting roasted either, and he had everything. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think you're right. I think that this is why I think Will probably just reached his breaking point because, like you said, he tried. He's been trying to prove himself as a rapper before he did Fresh Prince. He was not accepted. He was an actor. You know, somehow he took the acting to good heights, but still he didn't get his kudos in many places. You know. And then his personal life, when he got older, when his acting was, you know, slowing down a little bit, his personal life came to light and he started getting abuse for it. And I think in general in his life, he's never been one to react to anything happening against him. And the problem is he's had a lot happen towards him, low-key and, and in, in, in public eye. And, you know, at some point, there's too many things. It was just the day he was supposed to get recognition it was the first time he was probably on an awards show in a long time. It was someone actually making a joke about them in presence. There's too many things. And then it was his wife reacting how she did. Just too much of a perfect storm, I think, for someone who has held everything inside for a while um, to react. Again, I don't think he should have in the way he did. And I think he should be uh, punished, however, is seems sensible to whoever is judging. Uh, obviously, if it's if it, obviously if it's too if it's too out there, you know, then it'll be a problem. But yeah, generally he should feel some kind of consequence. But at the same time, um, I understand why he did it, um, and I I don't know. I, I'm on both sides essentially. I see exactly what he what why he did what he did, but I think he should be punished for it. Uh, that that's just how I see it. Like so, so like Bernie just said, I, I'm conflicted too, a little bit, very conflicted. Um, but yeah. So, so... Um, so on that note, we, we, we've got a couple minutes left in the scheduled time that we gave everybody, and we want to respect everyone's time. We were supposed to have a discussion about a topic that is in the news right now. And, okay, 
in the chat, Shadu telling us to choose violence. I'm like, okay. Um, <laughs> let me put it this way. We'll, we'll make this one really short and really quick. And if anyone needs to bounce, that's okay. I totally understand. Um, I haven't read this, but there's a bill in Florida that makes gender identity discussion in classrooms illegal, I guess is the term. And three of us I know have kids. Timmy, if you have one that you don't know about, that's cool, but I, I don't know. I never know, man. I'm out here, you know. <laughs> you gotta protect me. I can say what I want to say. It's like, no. not my portion. It's like, it's not my portion. <laughs> he was like, no. God forbid. You do this cool. I heard it. It's cool. I don't but, know, man. <laughs> it's all about parental right. rights and like, you know, parents being in control and all this stuff. And I don't know how I feel. I mean, Disney's now saying stuff that they're going to make 50%, I think, LGBT characters in response. There's all this stuff happening. And I guess all I want to throw out is, how are we feeling? <laughs> Instead of like, you know, Chidu as a helicopter dad, how are you feeling about the discourse and everything that's going on? Yeah. So th I haven't read the bill either, but the, this reminds me of the conversation we're having on my pod about when's the right time to bring up this conversation with your kids, you know, celebrating difference and all and things like that. And Chimney was like, when's the right time? When's the... And I was like, dude, I found out when they're in public school, you can't protect them from anything, right? My daughter was in, you know, her first grade class and her friend was like, oh, do you know what? To so the only black girl in class was like, do you know what um, uh, the KKK did to black people? And I'm like, Hold up, I'm not ready to have this conversation with her. Wow. We're not ready to Wait, go first there. How old again? Right? Like five? <laughs> this is like five, six, you know? Okay. Six, sorry. Yeah. So it's Jeez. like, I'm not ready to do this, right? You're ambushing me here, <laughs> my emotional state. So I get that and I understand that, but I think it's also one of the situations where you have no control sometimes that once they are almost out of the house, majority of the time, learning and growing and learning to be part of the world they are going to come back with things and they're going to try and challenge you yeah. and you're going to have to step up to the plate regardless of whatever it is. So, you know, it's good to start gymming now and getting ready and getting prepared for those conversations and how you're going to bring them up. It, like, I'm just randomly here, you know, trying to learn about, learn and get ready for the sex talk with these youngins because I know it's going to come sooner than I expect, you know, and mm. I don't want to be in the headlights about it. I was going to jump in. I think my concern as someone who's been an educator is that there's this Florida law, there's one going through Texas, and, and it seems like we have been, so we were, we haven't finished the critical race one, right? <laughs> we're still fighting on that front. And then we've now added, you know, sexual identity, gender identity, and whatnot. And for me, but my problem is that a lot of it is disingenuous to be honest mm -hmm. it's 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 not it's not about having a conversation it's not about informing people it's not about actually figuring out the developmentally the appropriate time to have conversation it's about someone's political agenda irrespective of who it impacts and why it impacts them so if we look at the critical race thing i'm like okay all these states are running to ban critical race theory being thought, taught in elementary school it's university level knowledge. It wasn't being taught in elementary school. They don't actually know what it is. If you ask them to it, interviews where they they've asked the lawmakers to define it and they don't they don't know it, what it is. Right? And so in the same way, and, and what were we seeing? We were seeing books 
being pulled off of, you know, it was because it, I'm taking it with the race where they're like, okay, well, you know, you can't talk about how you talk about slavery, how you talk about race. There's a book, I forgot the name of it, but it's about Ruby Ridges, who Brown versus the Board of Education. She's, she's like a year younger than my mother. This woman is still alive, right? And she looks great, right? There's a book about her, and I think it was a children's book about desegregating schools. And some school district banned it because it was talking about race and it could, you know, make people uncomfortable. I'm like, <laughs> uncomfortable? The woman is alive. And most of the reason you and I, because we're all black here, we're honestly able to go to some of these schools is because as a five-year-old, she dealt with the BS. And so in the same way, to me, I'm like, okay, the, the, you, have made, you have now made a larger conversation that was a conversation that was going to happen in homes anyway. And it was a conversation that you say that, well, schools can't say this. Well, while by doing what you've done, now you are forcing parents to even have conversations, maybe even before they were ready or have planned to do it because you've now made it political. Because I don't actually understand, like, you know, and I've read pieces and components of it. And I'm like, well, if you complete, I mean, I, I, mean, I actually saw a teacher who said, okay, well, what we're going to do is not talk about gender at all. And we're not going to refer to anything gendered. That means mom or dad, <laughs> right? We're not going to, yeah. we're not going to. Yeah. And she said, if that's where you want to go, that's where we're going to go. And so, you know, I, 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 to me, it's hard for me to take folks completely serious because they're not having a serious conversation. And I, and I, I do respect and understand that if you're a parent, you see the, everyone sees the world a certain way. You have your own beliefs and you have your own system, but like, I don't actually think the powers that be actually care that much. I think they just want to be elected and they're doing it to whatever base it works for them. Right. Tell me what actually, you think? that in terms of, you know, the, uh, what you just said about the powers that be just doing what works. Uh, Bernie, you mentioned that like Disney, you know, trying to make 50% of their characters LGBTQ, like 50%, like that's, that was the headline. I didn't read the article, which is a dangerous yeah. thing to do. <laughs> I was yeah. I was sent the headline in violence. Okay, yeah. so, so he did not read it. Good, thank you. No, no, no. I think I, I think I read the same thing too. And it's um, I know they you need that representation, you know, um, to capture the entire demographic of the world, so to speak. But fifty percent, I just that's I I don't know. I don't know if fifty percent of the world is actually questions you know is in that box i don't know maybe as a traditional african man like I, everything is just kind of like black and white for me but i just there's a lot of things that happen yeah and especially too mm -hmm. i think in no, the creative what, what you're saying is that if there's 50 percent, right you're picking 50 percent, you could be overdoing it in the sense yeah. because of a political kind of to what amanda's point was maybe you're now yeah. being political and you're overdoing it, right? Exactly. It's not just a pure thing anymore. It's like just, hey, we're doing this because we're trying to achieve a certain maybe monetary goal, if it's like Disney or something. I I, I think in the creative community, you have more people who are um, LGBTQ. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it kind of filters mm -hmm. down. So we do need that. But I think there's the, I don't know, they're losing the purity of the... Um, What's the word I'm looking for? The purity oh, of the discussion, the, right? the discussion. Yeah, we'll go with that. Yeah, like yeah. So, I, I, I there was a cartoon. Um, I still watch like uh, 
action-based animated captions, whatever you want. I know you guys ever watched Legend of Korra? Of Korra? Um, yeah. Avatar? Okay. And there was a character in there that was, uh, you know, LGBTQ, LGBTQ, I don't know the full acronym, but you know what I'm saying? And it kind of threw me off, you know what I'm saying? Like, I was, it was just like, oh, word. Oh, I didn't, whoa, you know? Like, so, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I'm... I'm probably gonna get like killed or shot out to this shit. But no, um, you're good. You're good. Yeah. Because I don't know. I think, just... I think what people don't get about the discussion is that you've been raised like we've all been raised a certain way, right? Yeah. And it's for people to assume that you can just turn off however yeah. you were raised and whatever you thought for twenty years or whatever. And I'm saying that because a lot of us came over here as you know, teenagers or at least our lives our our the way our lives were set was set at a certain point, right? In my case, I was extremely homophobic growing up. Like, that was just what it was. And I learned. And people will say I got indoctrinated if they want. I don't give a shit. But I learned, and I'm like, even now, there's some things where I'm like, ooh, looks like kind of like, oh, okay. Like, what are we doing here? But end of the day, can you think about it? Can you process that and reason critically to understand what's going on? Some people are too far on the other side where they go, you know, I'll give you an example. Um, I know someone who is transgender and when he sorry she see, see this is what i was gonna get at so when she yeah, be careful um what's that word what's that word transition right transition. or came out and then transition i couldn't stop saying he and not because i had any malice it was just because i've known this person for at that point six years as a man so you got to give me some grace, right? You got to give me some, some some space to process, to reason, but also to get on board with whatever it is that you're telling me. It's And people used to get mad at me and be like, it's a she. I'm like, well, calm down. Like, I'm actually trying here. Like, yeah. like, like you know, I, I think it's it's okay to, to your point. It's okay to be unsure of what to say. It's okay to be unsure about how you feel as long as you have no malice for that side. Whereas a lot of people actually have a lot of mouths. Because I ask parents, what are you afraid of? Not because I disagree with you necessarily. But are you afraid that just by the the mere presence of more LGB, LGBT characters or transgender athletes that your kid is all of a sudden going to wake up and decide they want to change? Then what does that say about your ability to parent, to influence, to, to, ex- you know, to impart things on your kid? Like, I have no fear. Not that it's going to, if it happens, it happens, I take it. But I have no fear about it because I don't think parenting should be by fear, which is what a lot of this is. Chidu, you, you, you said you got something to say. Yeah, no, I was saying that um, it's the beauty of the American political system where, um, you know, because of one side does something, we over-rotate and the other side to kind of counterbalance. Um, but when you also think about it in the, in the context of LGBTQIA, um, gender roles, gender identity, gender fluidity, all those things. Um, it's something that I remember my therapist telling me, you know, and shout out to my therapist because, you know, recovering, but you know, you're necessary. Um, yeah. they, um, they told me to always give people's reactions an opportunity to evolve over time, right? Whether it is your thoughts about the way you grew up, the way you experience the world or the way you see things, Give grace and give people the opportunity to evolve. So my initial shock reaction at you coming out should not be that I don't accept you. It's just I'm getting, I'm processing and getting over it. It's not negativity towards your decision. It's just 
That's my gut reaction. And give it time, and it evolves into something around acceptance, love, and all those sort of things. But I think people tend to kind of stay with the whole, you did this, and then that shock factor. And then they write you off or cut you off or cancel you because of that initial thing. But it's always a good idea to let things evolve. And if it's evolving in the wrong direction, then you're justified. But give it the chance to evolve. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Actually, speak, speaking of evolving, I just wanted to say, uh, talk about something that happened to me when I went to a party. Um, and we're talking about Bob Risky. And uh, yeah, I went cross-dressing in Nigeria. I don't know how um, familiar uh, Amanda is with Bob Risky, but he's um, he's a the sage of our time. Yeah, a philosopher exactly. and a scholar. He, yeah, he's a he's a <laughs> he's a scholar, but he's a Nigerian cross cross dresser, very famous, and it's it's very brave what he's doing, right? Like it's it's actually very brave that he's in Nigeria and kind of like living his life. And we're talking about um, the authenticity of that, like is he just doing it just to make money, or that, or is it something that's actually natural and that's who he is, kind of thing. Um, and I remember there was a few of us guys and girls and we we're talking and um, someone said something and I I pulled my friend aside just to make sure I was like, hey, um, is that is that dude, is he gay by any chance? Because I, he said something and I wasn't sure. And she looked at me like I was crazy. Like, what? How could you think that? And whatever, went back to having a discussion and I, I hope I didn't say anything crazy or whatever, whatever. And then afterward, I was like, man, they're so lucky that uh, imagine if he was gay or some shit like or something like that. And she's like, what? He's bi. And I was like, oh, my God. So I, I just talk to like the adjusting thing. Like, I, I think as African men who, you know, most of us, you know, kind of black and white type of scenario, it's still an adjustment period for us that hopefully we'll get to. But still some time to process it's still taking some time on, at least on my end Shimdi, mm-hmm. what, 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 what you got and then we'll go to amanda um, well um i'm not i think everyone i don't even want to go down the line of telling people how to decide i mean there's no decision if if we are to understand what what people in that sphere say there's no decision there's just them and when they decide to do, when they decide to to realize it, you know, not that it's, let me just say, not decide. It's when it comes out of them, right? So they, they don't choose to be that, you know, whatever it is, gay or transsexual, they don't choose to be that. So we, I understand that. I take that. I, I believe that. That's fine, right? Where where I struggle is um, the politics of it all in terms of like bathrooms, education, all that kind of stuff. Because then you're leaving. You're taking out my free will and how I want to raise my child. One, I'm sorry, Kaima has gotten up, um, but um, she's too closely. <laughs> but um, no, she's playing. She's playing her music. I don't know if you can hear it. Yeah. But um, but yeah. Um, so there's that, and then to me, where it gets more difficult is like like the topic I brought up and what we were kind of discuss- discussing is the whole sports angle or even any other angle where there is an inherent disadvantage because of your assigned sex at birth. Let's just go with that. And then you 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 realize who you are or you, you acknowledge who you are and then you are transgender now and then you participate in the same sport you love. 
but in in a different sphere because of who you identify as, right? I think that there's a problem with that, not because just because of how things are set up as they are. It, there's a problem because it doesn't give balance. You know, you're, it's, it's 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 a disadvantage. You know, and when I say that, I mean things are split into men and women, and that men and women is your assigned features. Your your sorry your scientific features. Assigned features at birth or something. Yes, like, I, I, yes. I know where you're going. So that's so that's where the categorization comes from. So when you put someone that's that was born a certain way or like you know, has certain scientific characteristics and put them in another group because of their their identification, which is correct and is theirs, there's a problem. And I think there's an imbalance. So I had a big problem with that NCAA champion who was ranked number 500 and whatever in men's category, but became all-time champion in the women's category. I had a big problem with that. Just because it's, it's, it's clear the disadvantage. You know, the way... She's built, standing next to other female athletes. You can tell this person is superior in every way, and because of their assigned gender at birth. Again, that's I'm trying to go. I'm getting no, scientific it's, it's, with it, so I'm not. I'm trying to speak as sense. well as possible, right? So that's where I have the issue. I don't know how it can be solved. I think they maybe have their own category, um, or some of some kind, so that they can compete amongst each other that maybe that's better one two what uh, um, annoys me is when you see people like um caster semenya who who is at birth scientifically categorized the category that she's in but hers is not a choice hers is not something she can do she just has an elevated amount of something which has been tested compared to other women now if we want to get down to nitty gritty of science, anyone that's the best at their sport has something genetically better about them than everyone else. That's just facts, right? You either are more superior um, um, stamina or your legs, the way you, you have such flat twitch muscles that you can move your legs the best way possible to get the job done. Or your shoulders are huge and you can, your arms are huge. And you're just better than everyone else. Like Michael Phelps was built to swim. Just is. He's streamlined in many ways. His bones are flexible and his wingspan is amazing. His 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 mm-hmm. feet are huge. The same bolt was the same thing. Same thing. So like, you know, there's there's specific scientific natural advantages right. each 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 elite athlete gets. You know, that's just how it is. To be elite, you have to have that extra edge, right? But not when you are literally a whole different you know, category and you're dumped into another one. That's unfair. So someone like Caster is not, she doesn't have anything that makes her totally different. She just has that one little bit of something that makes her better than her category. And that's fine. Like I said, someone like Michael Phelps literally has the same thing, just that he doesn't build up lactic acid like everyone else does. That's mm-hmm. literally the same thing. So, I mean, are we going to disqualify him for that? So that's where the dis- discourse is, is, is is lost and is is difficult to reconcile and i'm not sure what anyone can do our society will evolve to a point where i think things there'll be more parity i do believe that i think that we will find a balance at some point but for now it's it's distressing and when it comes to teaching kids and showing them what what's what again like chilu said you can't control it once they are in, in a learning sphere and they're, and they're sitting with other people and, and getting information 
whatever they get is what they get. Now, what, what's up to you is when they come home, if you have anything you want to refine or hone in on, then you choose to do that. But them being exposed to it, you know, all these things happening, we're not going to have control over it unless you keep them homeschooled and then you can do what you want to do. But if you're going to trust the public system, again, our parents did the same thing. We learned about sex early because we we're naughty kids and we... <laughs> oh, you 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 were just, lucky. You're, you 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 learned about it. I didn't. My point is, my point is, you were exposed to things because of your friends who were exposed to it by their 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 siblings who are older, maybe or something. But you were you learned with people. You didn't learn from your parents. You know, unfortunately, I, I was. You know, but, but at least now we have the we have the consciousness of mind to hone in on those learnings after the fact. You know, our parents right. didn't bother to do that. They didn't bother to do that. Not in all cases. So, very Amanda, and then we'll go, to, we'll go to cheer, dude. There's a reason why I still remember the exact lyrics to Ain't Nothing But a G Thing and all the lyrics to Doggy Style. Because I was 11 when that came out and it was CD. There was no TikTok. And those lyrics, if you put it on, I can do the radio and radio edit version. So, you're right. Children are exposed. And how much more are they exposed now? Because I look, I'll be on TikTok all day and see all kinds of things that <laughs> I wasn't even looking for. I don't think you're right. I think that the parody will come. I don't think that it's going to come easy, though, because I think they are going to have to figure out some way that that respects and honors all the athletes that are that are competing as well as create a safe space. I just don't know what that solution looks like. But I'm glad you brought up. Um, caster because i think it was last year was the summer games right mm-hmm. i know that the thing that discouraged me was not only her situation but there were two other female african athletes who either were pulled or could not compete because they just had a little bit more hormone of whatever and they said it was elevated to made me want to go is there a racism play here too because why particularly these athletes coming from the continent who are great athletes, they can't compete. I think that the, I think what's probably the struggle for most parents is no matter what the issue is, is that when is it appropriate to have a conversation with your kids? And I think that it may just be when it's appropriate to have a conversation with your kids, right? Meaning, you know, if your kid comes home one day and says, hey, you know, I, you know, I didn't know such and such got two mommies, right? Or, you know, such and such has, or this is what their family situation looks like you're probably going to have to prepare for that conversation. But I think what's hard for me is that I, that when the government wants to step in and say, oh, we're going to take care of this for you. Yeah, but you're, you're not doing it in an authentic, it's not for authentic reasons. You want to get elected by a certain group of people. And, mm-hmm. and, and the autonomy should be with the parents. I do agree. The autonomy should be with the parents to expose you. You make the choice to put your kids in public school. You could homeschool them. You could put them in private school. You could co-op them, whatever. But, but I don't, I, I, I'm not trusting that the state is going to be able to do this thing that they, they're, they're, they're claiming they want to give the autonomy to the parents, but then they're also restricting how what it is that the parents can even have autonomy on and so i i don't know what's going to happen with this i mean i think we're just going to see more bills like this across honestly we are seeing more bills like this across the u.s um but i think we're probably going to start to see an even bigger pushback because i we're in north carolina so you may remember the bathroom situation 
which is why that governor is that no longer the governor. That was big. <laughs> right? Because I think the NBA... For no reason. Just like, well, the NBA or somebody... Thre- thre- this is what happened. People threatened to pull out who have money. And guess what? He no longer governor. And those entities are still here. So, you know, the Floridian governor, I'm looking at him being like, isn't Disney like the largest employer of the state? I mean, you can play that game if you want to. Let me ask this question and Chido, I'll ask it of you. I, I don't know. You you went to college in the U.S., right? Or does it, I did, like, yes. Yeah. Okay. So I went to go visit my brother's university. And I've seen this in some red dorms here in Toronto as well, where there is no boys and girls. It's especially like in the residence, right? It's like a lot of them have co-ed. I remember my brother was telling me, like, yo, man, I saw this girl, and she was really hot, but, man, I could not believe what she did. Like, I'm not going to say anything more, but, like, it was, like, you know, something that you consider a feminine, like, you know, like, like not, you know what I mean? It was, like, I couldn't believe that. And I'm, like, (laughs) oh, so, like, the stall was right next to you? That's unbelievable. Like, because... It's like that in many places in the States where they're just like, you know, it's all co-ed. To my mind, I'm thinking, why are you even having this transgender bathroom conversation when, in actual fact, gendered bathrooms is a social construct? Like, are you telling me? Because I think part of the problem is that people have this fear-based logic of he's like this transgender person is going to rape this other person why don't why are we doing this whole preventative you know what i mean it's like let's prevent this rape scenario and preventing rape is a good thing by the way i don't want to say it wrongly but why don't we talk about how to bring up people in a respectable good way so that we don't fear this ridiculous thing that you're just trying to push to the side so you can have a different like I don't know if I'm if I'm if I'm explaining my thought process correctly, but yeah. I find it backwards. Shadu, what are you? All all I would say is that that just seems like an over rotation from what happened in North Carolina about okay, we can't have, you know, it's gotta be separate bathrooms and then colleges now go and say, you know, do their own thing. But for me, it's it, it is complicated and scary at the same time, just knowing how colleges are. It just sounds like a Title IX violation waiting to happen. And it is one of those things where I'm like, you know, yes, outside of the fact that it humanizes people and it kind of brings, knocks a few people off down a pedestal. Um, but it, it just seems like one of those situations where if you approach things with a lot of common sense, right? Yes, it's there. Yes, that's the situation. I have to deal with this every single day when I take my daughter to the bathroom. Like, I'm not going to take her to the women's. You know, I'm going to take her to the guys. Um, and you realize that this is my situation. This is how I have to get through it, right? You give me grace for it. You don't look at me like a girl's in the bathroom. Why is she here? You know, it's just humans just trying to live their lives. But in college, which is usually a test, you know, t- guinea pig for everything, that seems like, you know, it's a good place. But there's a whole nother things like active consent and things to test first before the bathrooms get unified because some knuckleheads will be some knuckleheads. True. Okay, but this is what I want to say about the bathroom. So when I went to university, I actually did go to university in North Carolina long before this whole thing happened. I was in a women's dorm, which now it's no longer a women's dorm, for two years. My third year, I was in a dorm, which at the time was one of the few that was hall style. So two in a room, right? But was co-ed. So half of it, half, half of the hall was 
female. Half of the hall was male. So interestingly enough, when I think back about the whole bathroom thing, like that's been a thing, like that's been a thing for a while. It's become a conversation now, but it's been a thing for a while. And there are colleges where you can have people of opposite or mixed genders in the same dorm room if they if they agree like in a hostel if they agree right so i know because uh, i've worked in ed for a long time in higher ed i knew a girl her best friend male he was gay so they, they didn't have any sexual tension but they had they they shared whatever now i agree with you bathrooms are a construct i remember one time trust me this is going somewhere i was in france and i was in charles de gaulle and i was lost it's a whole nother story i was in the airport but I remember being in what categorically was the female bathroom, but there literally were men who came in because the men's bathroom was full <laughs> and nobody blinked twice. Like it wasn't, no one, no one, no one acted weird. No one thought it was weird or whatever. I, I agree that historically, because we, we have this idea of gendered bathrooms where it's just like, okay, men here in the U S men go here, women go here. For me, I'm just sort of like, you know, and, and I know it's not practical. This is why I like kind of those like kind of unisex bathrooms because they're not usually gendered male or female. It's like, here's a bathroom. You just go in. But I know that when you have large populations, you can't do that. I think that probably the concern is that if we're talking in, in the lower levels with the children, right, if you've got places where little kids are going in, like in an elementary school, you probably do want to keep the gender thing to keep the people safe. The point of the matter is this. We have had some form of all of this happening for a long time. Mm -hmm. It's only become the discourse because it's become politicized. Mm -hmm. That's what it is. When you go to a festival and you in a porta potty, it ain't male porta potty, female porta potty. It's just a stinking porta potty, right? Mm -hmm. If you go to a restaurant that ain't got, I go to cafes, they ain't got big enough to have like a bazooka. It's just like it's a bathroom, right? We've, there's some things that we've made a, an unnecessary conversation because we are already living with those things. We just don't want to talk about it. It's just like pronouns, right? People get mad. Well, why do you have pronouns? You know, I think pronouns are, I think are actually really helpful, especially for people who are like, I hate the pronoun thing. There are some people whose names, I don't know what gender they are. For example, if I were to call you Adrian, you could be Adrian male, Adrian female. I like the fact you got your pronouns on your resume. Because then I don't have to call, I know what to call you, right? Mm -hmm. We use the word they, I don't know if you've ever done this where you're talking about somebody and you like, I'm in counseling, like, like I have clients and whatever, and I don't want to reveal who they are. So I'll say, oh, they said this. We do this naturally, right? Well, we don't want to give away that this person's male or female, right? Like, you know, when you heard something, even if you've heard a secret, right? And you want to be like, oh, I know about such and such. Don't you go like, yeah, I, you know, I talked to this person and they said, everybody yeah. knows whether they is male or female. Like we've been using this already. Mm -hmm. It's just that now that there's a spotlight because of a specific group of people and all of a sudden it becomes, oh, we can't use pronouns. Oh no, we can't use the, you know, these bathrooms. I'm, I'm like, we're doing it. You just mad that you got to do it because someone it, needs it to help them feel comfortable. Exactly. And, and I think, Oh. Um, I think the, the core issue is that we're, well, the core issue is that we're talking about the wrong issue, right? Whether it's the 50%, the LGBT on, in Disney or whatever, it's we, because we 
as a people in this world are always trying to push the can down the road about the wrong thing instead of talking about bathrooms we should be talking about how to raise people who don't do the same things that you were worried about it's the same thing on on the other side is how do we make people more secure about who they are and that includes heterosexuals because if you are secure about who you are and you're okay with that then I don't think you have a, much of a problem about anyone else. It's just it's just how I I, I really see that exactly. Um, there's a lack of respect and there's a fear, and it causes us to address the wrong issue. And I think if people focus on what the right on the actual issue, we'll all be fine. It's it's like I, I said this to someone. I used to, you know, I'll, I'll, this is dangerous story to tell, but I'll tell it anyway. Like I was very <laughs> much kind of like you know you know how people were like. Oh, that's gay. People say that. Like, I say that shit all the time. And it's a hard, in hindsight, look at it, it's a horrendous thing to do. And I was very, there's a, there's a gay village in Toronto, church in Wellesley. And I used to hate going there because I was like, oh, you know, whatever. Like, you, again, you come from Nigeria and the Middle East, it's like, eh, it's, you know, this is, it's, it's the recipe for me there wasn't great because of yeah. who I was at that time. And my friends played a prank on me. They, they said, hey, we're going to go to the club tonight. I'm like, cool. And we're walking, and I'm like, yo, aren't we in the gay village? They're like, nah, 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 this, yeah, but this club's straight. I'm like, okay, whatever. We're still walking, and I'm like, yo, this is kind of feeling, you know, you know, it's kind of feeling this way. They're like, don't worry about it, you're good. We get to the door, and first thing I see is these guards who are shirtless. I'm like, okay, guys, like, what's <laughs> happening here, right? We walk in, and it is, it is as advertised. It is a gay club, and I'm sweating, right? I was, I don't remember how old I was. I was young. I was sweating. And my friends started, like, messing around with me by touching me, right? So making me think that people were just randomly touching me. And I was freaked out. I'll never forget, after, like, an hour, I ran off with a friend of, with another friend of mine, and we sat in the diner, and I felt, like, the lesson worked. Because in that moment, I felt highly embarrassed that I felt illogical fear. Literally, I was sitting there. It was like a, it was like the episode of Seinfeld. I was sitting there in the diner, and I ordered a, a strawberry milkshake. And I was like, I cannot believe that this is who I am. And I remember that was the day that I, I was like, I need to open my mind, and understand that people are just all they were doing was just being in a club and having fun. Like these people were not doing anything to anybody. They were just having a good time. And the fear, irrational fear, that all of a sudden. If we start intro- like allowing kids to understand that everyone is okay to be who you are, is going to create this r- rush of like new gay people in the world. It's going to cut down populations and all this stuff and ruin nuclear families. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, like we get into this hyper conspiracy nonsense when literally all these people are trying to do is live. And I'm like, let them live. That's just how I feel now that we should just let these people live. But that was that was an interesting moment in my life because I was like, "Yo, that was that was a day. That was definitely a day." But um, yeah, no, I will. Chidu, so, go ahead, man, and then Chimdi. No, I was gonna say. I was gonna say for me, it's like, and, and I'm pro, you know, pronouns. I love everything about it, and you know, for the reasons why you know names are so fluid. Um, but I remember specifically growing up in secondary school where I used to just kind of say they and my teachers would be like, who's they? 
have to you have to <laughs> say who day is you know so and it's a little bit of a joke but it's also something that sticks with me when they're like day and i'm like day who you know it's like it's it's always stuck with me because you all it seems disrespectful to call somebody day culturally coming from where i'm from because you have to, everybody has a name everybody has an identity every but so day now becoming an identity um is a bit jarring to me it's a triggering of all those knuckle slaps but i understand it you know so yeah I just can i just say one thing to bernie thank you for being transparent because i i think it's hard and i i think for all of you gentlemen i think it's hard to to tell stories especially where we all culturally come from <laughs> right and i similar without you know when you think in a west african context but like I, I think even, you know, I, I'm listening to your story and I always think it's really interesting, especially when men have kind of an adverse, straight men, let me say, have a bit of an adverse or jarring reaction to going into a gay club. And it's like this worry that everyone's going to hit on you. And I'm like, well, welcome <laughs> to the world of women where <laughs> men who you are not trying to talk to are constantly, I guess if it's good or bad, hitting on you and you're just like, no, I don't want to talk. It's, it, and I, I wonder if it's for like straight men. They think about <laughs> they think about what straight men do, and then they transpose it on gay men, and they're like, "That's gonna happen." <laughs> women are just like, "Oh, so you're worried people are going to touch you? Yeah, that's happened to me at the club. You worry someone's going to talk to you? Yeah, that's happened to me at the club. You worry someone's not going to take no for an answer? Yeah, that's happened to me at the club." But but yeah, I mean, I think that the fact that we are even at at this point having these kind of conversations could not imagine like when I think of where I grew up and who I grew up and my elders, like this is not a conversation. Like, like they would not even pronouns. They're like, why are we going to talk about pronouns? Why are we going to talk about what, what is even transgender? Is it like, and so it's, it's, I think the fact that you guys even give space to this, even on your podcast, I think is, is pretty big. Thanks. 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 Thanks for that. I, I know I'm supposed to go with cameras here, but um, um, yeah, again, like I said in in, in the beginning, um, my just general thoughts on all this is um, people are free to do whatever they want to do. Um, I respect people's choices or you know stances on where they are. I have no right to judge that or decide that they are choosing or it's not real or whatever. And that's how I choose to go about it. When it comes to how the society behaves to it, uh, unfortunately, that's not dictated by us. We can do what we want to do, but the masses have to perpetrate the same thing and the government has to ratify it. And that's where the phase we are in, I think, in the next, it's not going to be next year or whatever. It's going to be a generation, I think. Uh, it will take for things to be more stable. So I predict probably when people our age are prominently in government, it will be a little bit of a different story. Um, so unfortunately, that's we're going to have. We, our generation, like most of the things we've gone through, are going to be the in-betweeners and deal with it from that point of view um, where we know what we think is right. Things haven't met up with that yet, and we will be right there when it meets up, I think, uh, but at the latter, latter stages. People that follow us will probably have everything set up for them. So that's probably how it's going to be. And um, that's, that's unfortunate, but that's just human nature. I also, I've always said, hey, 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 hey. I'm talking. Hey, give me a second. Okay. 
Um, um, so I've always said that a lot of things that happen to us, I, I, depending on how I feel about it, I just chuck it up to us being human beings. Cause I think human beings are shitty in general. And that's just how it is. Um, we, we choose the wrong path per- perpetually. Um, I think, uh, we, so most times I chuck it up to that. Most times I operate on that front where I don't expect people to do the right thing. That's just me. I just, I think the human race, when it comes to wars, uh, judgment, racism, things like that. We just choose the wrong way until something shocks us into acting right. That's just how human beings are. Um, so yeah, I just think that's how I, I it is. And, right. and I think I think our generation and the ones after us are even more so um, realizing that people can, in, at the end of the day, do what they want, and it has to be respected. And that's how they're operating. We mm-hmm. let's look, let's look at the job market. You know, two months, I don't like what's going on, I'm out. And that's it. That's Gen Z for you. I mean, yeah. us, we are still kind of in limbo where we think, you know, jumping from job to job is not necessarily cool. But at the same time, we try to spend two years, maybe three at a job and move on. You know, we try to do it moderately where Gen Z is like, if I don't like it first week, I'm gone. You know, we try to give it time. Gen Z don't. You know, so I think, I think, I think from that point of view, if you translate that to different parts of life, they... We will, between us and them, we will navigate to the right place in terms of treating people right. But it'll take a while in general. But at the same time, I think human beings suck. So who knows? <laughs> we, may, we, may, we may end up being, being terrible forever. You never know. You know. I'm not holding my breath. We might, we might be that way. To summarize everything that we spoke about today, I want to thank everyone. Will Smith did what he did because human beings suck. Um, <laughs> Yep. Something about Beyonce because human beings suck, um, and uh, we we need to be kinder in our discourse around LGBT because currently we suck, but we hope to do better. Um, the point is, guys, thank you very very much for joining us on episode one hundred. Temi, Amanda, Chidu, like you guys are awesome. Um, we're gonna we're gonna have you guys back either individually or together again. Because uh, you're all violent people, like in, yeah. in wise. Just saying, the, the group, especially the group, the, the group ended up being 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 a good group. So I'm I'm glad with that. So we'll definitely do this group again. Chidu has more violence in him than I, than I expected. I'm I'm, I'm I, I like I like that. I like that. Look, this is this is this is this is the side nobody gets to see. Only it's not recorded now. So. <laughs> Well, thank you guys yeah. so much for joining us. Appreciate it. Thank really you guys. We really appreciate it. Thank you for celebrating 100 with us. And uh, here's to 100 more. Awesome. Thank you guys. Cool. Yep. Have awesome. a good weekend. Uh, have a good week, everyone. All right. Peace. Take care. Nice meeting you. Peace.